I went down a rabbit hole today. Actually, I read a bunch of old Michael Russo, Mark Parrish stories. Oh lord! I found your story on your first ever game-winning goal. Get out of here! Yeah. Oh my god! You what, remember who what, scored that game? Uh, Victor Kozlov. Yes. See, I had two. I think oh, wait, that's it. Is that it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was it. Because Kozlov had two. Because everybody thought yeah. I had the hat trick. Yep. And Peter Worrell had his first NHL fight that game. Yep. <laughs> and I got my first NHL fight when I think when Worrell scored or something yeah, like Ricard, that. Yeah, Something like that. Ricard. Ricard that Pearson. was it. Yeah, Ricard Pearson. The wildest director of went, European scouting. Yeah, went after a heavyweight there. Two heavyweights. Were we recording, by the way? Oh, there <laughs> you go. That'd be perfect. There you go. So... Uh, all right, welcome back to Worst Seats in the House, Michael Russo and Mark Parrish. All right. Uh, hey, guys. Coming Thanks for having me. Live from Elsie's. I got to the parking lot today, and it was jam-packed, and I was all excited that, like, like everybody was coming to see Parrish and not LaPanta. And then I found out it's bowling league here. Yeah, I was all excited. I was thinking I'm going to hold this over Panther. I'm going to give him all kinds of heat. We're going to get standing room only. I could barely find a parking spot. And I actually, I actually started getting nervous walking in. So I'm, I'm pleasantly relieved. Yeah, but pleasantly there's still relieved. a decent amount of yes, people here at Elsie's. And uh, by the way, um, the next live show here at Elsie's is September 28th. And it'll again, I don't know where Anthony has that. I don't know. What day is uh, September 28th? What day is that? I don't know. Anthony? It's a Wednesday. Maybe Anthony has a football game or something, but uh, maybe he's got twins duties. I don't know, but September 28th, um, we'll have another special guest here. I think I know who it is. I think Brandon knows who it is, but we'll have another special guest here, a former NHL player as well, joining uh, from Elsie's. Unless, Parrish, you want to do it again. Well, hey, I got nothing else going on. I mean, <laughs> hey, this is good. Get me talking hockey. Get my brain going yeah. hockey again. It's Especially been, uh, for your roles. Uh, Mark yeah. is uh, these days an analyst on no, not only Bally Sports North here in uh, Minnesota, but uh, NHL Network, you see him all the time on TV. And... Um, you know, Mark, let's, uh, we'll talk about the rabbit hole I went down a little bit, uh, <laughs> finding all these old stories that I wrote on you back in your Florida days in a bit. But, you know, training camp starts on Wednesday here, the day this podcast comes out. First time on the ice Thursday. You played in this league a long, long time, scored a lot of goals in this league. It's the night before training camp. What is Mark Parrish worried about? Are you, yeah, are, like, what is Mark Parrish back when you were a player doing? Back, the night before training camp. Night before training camp, getting a really good meal in because my, my whole thing was get through the physical testing right. without getting hurt. <laughs> I mean, because you're maxing out on everything yeah. and you're doing the bench. And I, as, as we kind of joked about it, I wasn't exactly known for my work in the weight room. <laughs> so I literally, my whole concern and my whole thought process, process was on that, get through with that, and then it was pure excitement. I At this time of year... Uh, long summer, even with the Wild, well, fittingly, with the Islanders and a lot of first-round exits, so I had that same length of summer, and it gets to be a long, long summer, and I hate to say this out loud, but you get tired of golf. I'm even tired of golf Mm -hmm. at this point. I I find myself still going through the emotions, actually, and still, uh, when fall starts to hit, and I don't know if there's any deer hunters out here, but when deer hunting hit, that means that bow hunting season, that means hockey season's right behind it, football, so it's just an exciting time of year, but that, that was it for me, was I couldn't wait just to get back on the ice with the guys. I was done scrimmaging and preparing with my buddies yep. back here with, with Rasmussen and Cullen and whoever it was back here I was skating with. I couldn't wait to get with the team. There, it's, that's the one thing I just remember. It was just exciting to get back with the guys, get back with that group, especially when you had the year like the Wild had. If you have a fun year, even though it's a long then you're even more anxious to get back at it. You want the season to start in July when you yeah. have a year like the Wild had and then that first round exit. 
Can you imagine if we had a sports writer's uh, fitness test on day one of the uh, training camp? <laughs> I'd win the coffee guzzling, but yeah. that's probably about it. Um, the, you know, the, like the one thing looking at media day that I always look at me, if, if I was a sports, if I was an athlete on the, on the team, I would find it fun, but I always wonder what the players think, is that a big part of media day is going in and doing interview after interview, jumbotron pictures, media guide pictures, yep. commercials. You know, hey, this is Mark Parrish on KFAN. <laughs> you know that, yep. that type of stuff. Yep. Um, you're, you know, you're listening to the Wild Network. Yeah. And like, I think it would be really fun. Does like, is it fun as a player? Uh, when when you add the fun stuff into it, right? Like, make it fun when they when they do the like just. Who's the you get to make fun of your teammates and things like that? Those are fun. When you, when you get to the and the, and the and I should say the I dare say they won't admit this, but getting back to interviewing, get it with the media. Yeah, that's part of it, and you yeah. kind of miss it. You 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 miss. There's a part of you that misses having your quotes in the paper and and being asked these questions, being feeling like an important part of that society or that that organization mm -hmm. in that city. So you kind of miss all that. And and yeah, the more fun you can make it, the better because. I'll say the radio stuff, yeah, that's like just read. Right. You read this line, fill in your name. You know, you get the yeah. three. This is power. You know, listen to, hey, this is Mark Paris listening to the NHL Network. This is whatever. Those readers, uh, you buzz through those like nothing because you're not really excited. But you like when you get just the random fun questions. When, when the teams make it fun and that literally kind of lands on yeah. the team, right? The Jumbotron stuff, they can make that fun. That's what makes that stuff memorable fun. Because if you can, you want, again, you miss the locker room. So you want to get back into the jabs and throwing darts at your teammates right. as soon as possible. Yeah. You know, it is, I mean, I, I find it really cool just watching him go from player to player. But what you just said about the pl the players and the media, you know, I was just at the NHL media tour in Vegas and it was 35, 34, five of the best players in the league. And, um, and I can't tell you how many of those players actually said that they cannot wait for the media to be back in the room, that they get tired of looking at the back of a camera. <laughs> but also, like, even a player on the Wild told me the other day, is like, you, you know, like, part of being a professional athlete is the fun of the accolades. And he's like, you almost feel like less of a professional athlete when you, after the game, there's no media in the room and no, even just accountability and things like that. Um, you know, and you were always, you were a media darling. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. I mean, on every single team you, cover, you were on, whether I was covering you in Florida or here, but even I know you're really, I'm still best buds <laughs> with this guy, Alan Hahn, yeah, Alan's former Newsday writer. He's now yeah. a huge second radio best, person. Second best. Second. Uh, but he's like former radio, he's a current yeah. radio like superstar in New York City, um, all that stuff. But I, so I know what he thought of you when you played for the Islanders as well. You know, you were always a guy that, that media flocked to. And I bet you, if like you were playing in these days, in the pandemic days, you would have missed <laughs> that part. For sure. I, I honestly, I did when I retired. Mm -hmm. uh, that's part of when you go through retirement. I, I enjoyed that. I, I, I always, I've always said that I'm shy, but, but anybody that's ever interviewed me yeah. or ever stuck a camera on me, you'll find I'm not that shy. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy it. I, I enjoyed getting out there. I enjoyed uh, the dialogue. I, I, I enjoyed being in New York, especially, really just kind of trains you for the world. Yeah. I mean, if you can get through the media in New York, no offense to you guys in Florida. <laughs> no, absolutely. But the New York media is, yeah. is pretty, can be very vicious if they want to. Now, they were great. I loved it. They're fair. But they're going to ask you direct questions. They're going to they're gonna put you on your heels. They're going to try and either maybe get a, get a headline out of you, or they want a good answer. They want a good quote, and they're going to try and get that out of you. You created some controversy so, there once yeah, upon I'm, a time. I'm, I might have stuck my foot in my mouth once or twice when I was there. Was, I just had the one for <laughs> recollection. Of, like, like, didn't you t basically say to the Islanders fans publicly, like, if you're going to boo us, stay home? That something? is verbatim what I said, actually. <laughs> uh, uh, not, not, not the best thing, not, not my 
my price. And, and this is what I, and I grew to love this about the New York media and especially the New York fans. Yeah. Uh, Can you imagine that in like, a social media oh world if, that, if you said that I mean, today. that already, I think it, it didn't. I made a couple quotes. I made CNN as it was for crying out loud. Like in Montreal up there, but uh, we won't go there. We won't have to go there. Uh, and, and but no, like I, I, I really grew to respect them from that and, and that honesty. The people loved it. it. It was crazy. I mean, yeah, there was, obviously there was a big fan base, and I had to apologize, and I did a lot of <laughs> a lot of signings and a lot of face to face with fans, uh, which again I enjoyed. Um, uh, you know, talking to the fans and I just explained them like, look, I'm sorry, I was really frustrated. Your emotions are going after game. It was Ricky DiPietro's first game in the NHL, just coming off after the first period. He made like 20 saves. We're down one nothing to somebody. I don't remember who it was, but he's standing on his head. And, and a couple fans just really get on him. And there's this one youngster that gets on him bad and starts using swearing at him. And I'm like, good Lord, where's your dad? And the dad came right over top of this kid and just using the same language. And I, and I just like, oh, my God. And I, we walked into the locker room. I, was, I couldn't believe it. I just witnessed that. I honestly was just blown away. And after the game, it was, he, he did his best, but we ended up getting throttled by who it was by the end of the night. And so it was just a long night, a frustrating night. And Alan, I'm sure, was probably the first one to ask me about it. Uh, you know, they get you coming off and the emotions are going. And I, I just said the quote quick. And, and I should have known I said something because they only asked me one question that <laughs> night and everyone left me. And I was like, well, that was kind of weird. They just asked. And I got dressed. I went home. I grabbed some food. Shot. I didn't even think twice about it. Not one thing. I woke up the next morning and Butchie Goring, who is now doing the color for the Islanders, uh, who's a great, great guy, uh, he's the head coach. And he's at the Xerox machine blowing this thing up letter by letter and putting it up in the room that I told the fans to stay home. Uh, so I got a lot of heat from it from the inside of the organization and the fan base. But it was actually, it actually worked out great. The, the, yeah. it, it ended up bonding us actually quite a bit as a team. And that was that next year when that young core, we went on that next yeah. huge run. Yeah. And Rick DiPietro, of course, is still yeah. under contract. In the still, NHL. yeah. <laughs> yeah, he made fun of my buyout. He got way better. Way better. <laughs> oh, man. Remember when you were bought out from the wild and I... Uh... <laughs> I, I like constantly would write that you were making like I think it was nine oh, yeah. seventy eight or something. Oh yeah, yeah. And then and finally you actually like texted me like, can you do me a favor? <laughs> <laughs> I was, you know, well, I remember was, your last year. It was a six it was, years <laughs> of you getting paid. I sent you a text. I'm like, up, oh, you got to get a real job. Now. I know it was awful. It's <laughs> awful. Now, now, now I'm a talking head. Oh, uh, man, I know. <laughs> I just had this recollection of like my first one of the first interviews that I've ever had with you was in that 98 season in Florida, which I, there are some people in this room that weren't even born yet. Yes. But it was your rookie year, and we were talking about Dino Cicerelli and, yeah. and, and everything that he meant to you. And again, who would know that 24 years later, you know, I'd be still buddies with you and covering you and all yeah. this stuff. Yeah, it's 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 incredible where we've gone, our yeah, relationship. And it's, it's funny. Just, my, uh, just to interrupt, just to yeah. tell a really funny story. So about, what, five years ago, Mark Parrish, Paul Fletcher, and me, we went to uh, Boston to go to the Super Troopers 2 set. <laughs> and I, I, like, I set up, I think we all got our own flights, but we were on the same flight. I set up the car, and I set up the Marriott. And the three of us were sharing a Marriott room in, like, yep. Hanover, Massachusetts, <laughs> yes. or something. And uh, lights go off, and um, Fletcher's sitting in a cot or on the floor. Yep. You're in the one queen bed. I'm in the other queen bed. The light goes off, and I, I yell over. I'm like, hey, Perry. And you're like, what? And he goes, hey, did you ever think in 98 that I'd be sharing a room with you? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, it was just kind of shows you. But anyway. Yep, that was cyclical life. Is yeah. it? No, like, 
um, you know, my parents and everything too, how, how much they've enjoyed our yeah. relationship yeah. too of, of growing up. We, we truly, you, you got to the NHL a little bit before me, yeah. but we've literally lived such parallel lives and grown to learn the NHL together. Yeah. And it's been a ton yeah. of fun. And I think, again, thank you. Now we're here doing this. Yeah. It's I'm just, the one that called you and like, didn't I call you and let you know you were being traded to the Islanders? <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was yeah. at the draft, at the 2000 draft. <laughs> I was laying in bed. I was laying in bed. My friend of mine, so of course I'm 21, 22 still. So living in St. Cloud with all my buddies that are still playing at St. Cloud. So I'm living up there in an apartment above a bar. I know foreshadowing there. And um, uh, <laughs> I, I, my buddy is leaving for somewhere in Peru. He's going to be gone for a year and a half, one of our best friends. So, so we spend the whole night uh, that night before up until 6 a.m. Like he goes to his flight and leaves. I, I'm walking back at 6 in the morning, sun's up, people are getting ready for a parade, and I'm doing the walk of shame back to my apartment. And um, <laughs> I go, go to bed, my phone rings like an hour later, and I look, and it's, I don't know what number it is, it's some no call, doing one of these, put the phone down, phone starts ringing again, I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. I look, and it's this guy, and I'm like, oh, shit. I swear. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, swear. Oh shit! Something happened, yeah. and, then, and then that's how I found out. Yeah. Do you know you got traded to the Islanders? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and and what stunk about that is like 2000. It's like there's no social media, so I can't be like I'm on the phone with Mark yeah. Parrish and he has no idea he was traded. And um, but was, it made for a good story the next yeah. day, and it's still. No offense, but it's one of the best trades in Panthers history, right? It's, yeah, I mean, it is. It's we crazy. still we talk. It, you know, I I've actually and come to love it. I mean, that you, it's you part go of to my... the Islanders and you become an All Star and score thirty goals. But yeah, what, but what did it bring? Roberto Luongo went yeah. the other way, and, and I Ole love Okunen. it. I get to tell, and, and one as you know, and you guys can probably tell, I love telling stories. Yep. So it's it's a great story that I get to personally tell. But I have to tell it every year. Because there's someone in New York that will write a top 10 worst or best trades in Islanders history, and I'm either one or two. There's Yash, and sometimes gets thrown up on there with me. Um, <laughs> and then, as of course, the NHL Network yeah. always does. Like, there's some trade deadlines, so always get scheduled when I'm out there working on the NHL. Oh, by the way, Mark, we're doing one of the worst trades tonight. Oh, just so happens. Shocker. I'm out here for that. Because it's, it's truly, I remember it vividly I, when Brian called me. Uh, or, or speaking to Brian, actually, went after Brian you. Brian Murray. Uh, yeah, sorry, Brian Murray, the GM of the Florida Panthers at the time. And, and, and he, uh, uh, well, Mark, you know, we didn't want to, because three weeks before, Chuck Fletcher, former GM of the Wild, was the assistant GM down there, literally told me that he and Pavel, me and Pavel Burry were going to be the top two goal scorers for the next 10 years for the Florida <laughs> Panthers. Two weeks before this. And then I get a phone call from Russo to tell me that I'm trading to the Islanders. <laughs> So I talked to Brian, and I'm like, okay, like, you know, hey, I, I understand. And I, I was foggy. I didn't really understand. He might have told me who I was traded for or not, but I was so out of it completely. Then with that news, my mind wasn't working. I finally kind of figure it out when I'm talking to Brian. Like, Brian, if you don't ask, you know, who, who, what was the trade? I didn't even know. All I knew was I, got, I was going to the Islanders. And he's like, well, we traded you and Kavasha for Jokinen and Luongo. And, I mean, I just s sat there and didn't say anything for a second. I'm like, that's a great trade. <laughs> like, wow. I mean, I literally, as a second year, I just finished my second year in the NHL, and I knew at that point, he fleeced the Islanders. <laughs> I mean, good Lord. So, yeah, it is. It's a great story, well, and it I, is what it is. I always use you as an example, too, because I remember so when you, in 98 when the Panthers traded Tom Fitzgerald to the yep. Avalanche for Mark Parrish. <laughs> Panther fans were livid because – Tom Fitzgerald was such a fan favorite down there. Yep. And then all of a sudden, two years later, 
Mark Parrish, who had just scored 50 goals in two years with the Panthers, was a Calder Trophy contender, yeah. everything. Um, I still, by the way, have your, uh, your Rookie of the Year VHS tape. I do, too. Uh, yeah. I still got one, too. But anyway, um, the, the, like, there, he's traded to, to uh, the Islanders for Luongo and Jokinen, future Hall of Fame goaltender, and I think still the leading scorer in Panthers history and their, their second or third captain. Yeah, their third captain in Panther history. I mean, yeah. And Panther fans went crazy because they fell in love with him. And it just shows you at the time of trades that you can't make a decision right away. Um, but I, I do remember thinking the next year, the Austrian was in L.A., right? L.A., yeah. And you made it. Yep. And you'll never remember this, but I remember it. I come out of the press room. We're in the bottom of the Staples Center. And it must be the night of the skills competition because everybody was wearing their, their hometown team uniforms. Yep, yep. And I remember I walk out as the Eastern Conference is going on the ice. <laughs> and right in front of you, I think was Roenick. I can't remember who was in front of yep. you. It might have even yeah. been Garrett. And might have been. I remember looking at you and you were in this crisp white Islanders <laughs> uniform of a team that I grew up being a fanatic of. And I remember looking at that and seeing you at the All-Star game in the middle of your 30-goal season, thinking to myself, like, this trade worked out for both teams. Like, yeah. here you are an All-Star a year later, and I'm sure at that time, Brian Murray's thinking, like, man, did I screw up? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, well, hey, there's always that thought. And, and you know, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to digress because I do a little bit. A little Tom Fitzgerald story. You yep. brought him up. I love Tom Fitzgerald. So my, uh, this is my welcome to the NHL. So I just get traded for Tom Fitzgerald. I know... He is a huge fan favorite. He's uh, assistant captain. Mm -hmm. He went to Nashville to be the captain. First captain yeah. in Panther in the uh, Predators Leader, history. GM of Jersey, New Jersey Devils right now. Just a great, great hockey man and hockey mind. Uh, and they wouldn't give me 21 actually right away in camp. They, yeah. like, I, had, I didn't realize, they didn't tell me, but they didn't want to give me 21 until I made the team. So, so I didn't get to wear number 21, even though I wore it here in, in, in Minnesota my whole career. But e either way, so I get traded. So a couple weeks later, I go down to Florida with my dad to get my state driver's license. <laughs> Florida has no state tax, and I had a signing bonus coming. And um, so you're not the first <laughs> well, I'm one. being honest, it's exactly what I was doing. Uh, um, <laughs> and uh, uh, I'm, my dad and I just land, and we're, we go to this tiny little enterprise rental car, and there's a line of six people in this tiny thing. We're actually, me and there's another fellow standing in front, my dad and I are talking. And this guy spins around, and it's Tom Fitzgerald, for God's sakes, of all people. And I, here I am, a 20-year-old kid, like, this is the guy I just got traded for. Like, is he going to fight me? Am I going to get <laughs> punched? Like, I didn't know what was going to happen. I was thanking God my dad was behind me. And he couldn't have been nicer. Yeah. He started giving, okay, this is while you're young. You're, okay, you're seeing this. You want to live in this area. He couldn't have been nicer. We sat there for a good half hour, 45 minutes, and I instantly fell in love with NHL at that yeah. point. No, and I never bad. stepped on the ice. No. He was, couldn't have been. He was so, so sorry. I just had a thought because Tom well, Fitz was I, awesome I just, man. You just reminded me of the story, and, I, and you've seen this screen capture before, okay? It's July 2nd, 2020. Uh, I took the screen capture at 11.52 p.m. What are the chances of this? So uh, July 2nd, 2020, 22 years after Tom Fitzgerald was traded for Mark Parrish, at 11.31 p.m., I get this text message from Tom Fitzgerald. Hi, Mike, checking in and wishing you a happy fourth. And what are the chances, 11.44 p.m., Mark Parrish texting me, hey, Russo, happy fourth. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, uh, and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about it. I'm like, back-to-back -back texts. 
22 years later from the two guys that were traded for each other, and yet there's still this link between us. Right. I mean, it's, it's just weird, like, serendipity or, you know, whatever the word would be. It's the hockey world. It's, yeah. it's what I love uh, about the hockey world. It gets smaller and smaller yeah. as you go up it, and the further you go up, the more respectful people yeah. get, the better people are. Yeah. It's, it's just incredible. That's why I love to say, I'm sure other pro athletes say, but the NHL is the yeah. best fraternity in pro sports. Yeah. About three or four years ago, actually, a wild player was traded – uh, and he was pissed about it, young player. And um, I'm interviewing him, and he's going off. And and I just, I, I when I was done with the interview, and I never do this because it was an on the record conversation. I just said to the to the to the guy, I said, Hey, I'm going to write this, um, and this was all on the record. But if you want to not run these quotes, call me back within the next hour. These things going up. I'm not going to tweet them because they'll be, yeah. you know, out of context. Yeah. And I just, I said, the only advice I would give you as a beat writer that's covered this league for a long time is the NHL is a small circle and you are trashing this GM. It's not going to look good to the other 31 GMs. And the other thing is, is that this is such a small world that you could very well oh. wind up on a team with this guy still there. And it's just so going to be a problem. Cool. And he called me up like about, 25 minutes later, after I probably talking to his parents or whatever, he's like, hey, Roos, um, you know, I really appreciate you giving me that advice, and if you yeah. don't mind, don't run them. And I said, no problem. That's you know, like, and normally I wouldn't do Like, years ago, I would have been like, you know, like, oh, immediately running it. But New this York, is like where you want to. They would have yeah. been ran out of town within 10 yeah. minutes. No, it's, yeah. it's, it's unreal. And, and so... Um, so again, welcome to Elsie's, by the way. That was yeah. a long intro. Uh, <laughs> we have uh, two-for-one beer specials here from Grain Belt, so, uh, and, and we're going to do a raffle at the end of the show. So if you ask a live question during the show, fill out a raffle, and uh, at the end we're going to do uh, a raffle for two cool signs, one shells and one – are they both shells? Shells Ooh. and shells. Um, and then if you get two-for-ones, also go over and get a raffle ticket, and we're going to give this away at the end of the day. Um, big, uh, before we talk about the Wild, I know a lot of Wild fans the day before training camp are really wanting, both here and listening to this pod, want us to talk Wild. And I did a really cool um, uh, uh, interview and sit down last week with Dean Evison and a couple other stories that we'll talk about. Um, but uh, big NHL news today, three big retirements, one from somebody, if I'm not mistaken, you played with, right? Did you play with Chara? Am I wrong? Uh, I did, yeah, yeah, on the Islanders. So yes, Chara, absolutely. Uh, Keith Yandel, and P.K. Subban all retired today. Um, but tell us some Chara stories from your little time oh, there before he was dealt. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. Uh, this is Dano Chara. So first time I walked into the Islanders' locker room, uh, it was, or it was uh, before the season. You know, you get out there a, little, a couple of weeks early. I had to find a house, a new place, and everything. So I was out there skating with the guys so early. And I skate in, and we get into the, the Syosset where we practiced. And uh, get done skating, and there is this, I can just hear someone throwing, it, the, our locker room was away from the weight room at that point. I can just hear someone throwing weights around, and it just sounds angry. And, 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 I, and I go in, and it's like a scene out of Slapshot. There's Zdeno Chara. He didn't have any shorts, so he had his hockey pants, or his breezers, we call them here in Minnesota. He just had those things on. And he's sitting there benching like 300 pounds, like, and he's just <laughs> throwing it up like it's nothing. And if you see Zidane Ochoa, and he didn't have a shot, if you see him, he looks very proportioned. He actually looks kind of skinny for a 6'9", 280-pound, 4% body fat guy. So like, you don't realize how big he is. And so I'm like, oh, he kind of stood up, and he stands up. I'm like, holy cow. And I went to shake his hand, and I got over to him, and I was shaking his hand, and I'm staring directly at his bicep because that's how <laughs> tall I am. And I'm looking at his bicep going, that's bigger than my head. 
for God's sakes. And I walked away with him like, thank God he's on my team. Good trade. I like this. Because he, he, was, he was incredible. And, and he was a big, big teddy bear, great guy off the ice, absolutely a natural leader on and off the ice. Just you could tell from his longevity, the process. He was like Matt Cullen, fell in love with that process, the training. His, he had his dad was this monster Greco-Roman, Olympic Greco-Roman wrestler. Uh, his mom was an Olympic basketball player. They, like, they were just three monsters when they were all in town coming in. Coming in. It was awesome. And they couldn't have been friendlier. But the one thing about Z that I remember, if he was on that ice, he was given 100%. I mean, in times, and even myself, guys in practice would get frustrated because he was so strong. He would, he would pin you against the wall with one arm, and he would hold you, and you can kick and flail all you wanted. He weren't going anywhere until he let you go. So it was hysterical. In practice, you'd see coaches would get mad at us, and he'd be home, like, I'm not wasting any energy. He'll let me go eventually. And then, you know, yelling at us for hard work because he's just that strong. But he forced everybody to step up. That was his leadership on the ice, on and off the ice, and it was to play the right way. It was do things the right way. We were early on in his career, so he was still very much baby Huey at that point. He had no yeah. idea how strong he was. Literally, if, if, if you were 10 feet from him and he gave you a, bass, a forehand pass on your backhand, no way you were catching it. No way. It was coming at you about 120 miles an hour, it was going right through your stick, and you're just like, Z, like, there's not a person on earth that has enough grip strength to make that, like, catch that <laughs> pass. But that was early on, and obviously he became what he became yeah. from there. But it was really cool there's to no meet him early that, on yeah. and at the point in his career. There's no way f that Mark Parrish was a ahead of him on worst trades in Islanders history. Oh, There's no. Well, chance. that's what I mean. Oh, no. sorry. That's yeah. the yeah, other yeah, one, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, every so time I think of uh, bad trades in Islanders that, history, you're going down and down and it, down. It, that, that was a big one. That was I was thankful with, uh, you know, Milbury <laughs> washed his hands yeah. clean of that one. Yeah. He claimed me. He, he, just, he claimed ownership, did all that. But as a GM, I think you have a little bit of say. Yeah. But, yeah, that was what, Yashin for uh, yeah. uh, McColt. Yeah. Chara yep. and the uh, second pick that happened to be Jason Spezza. Right, yeah. That we gave up. Yeah, Felix not very good. That um, stung. Chara, by the way, also turned out to be an unbelievable leader. And, and Incredible. you know, one story that I just was told fairly recently by a principal in the story, but it's still, still hearsay, so I'm not going to give the names of the players out, but... Um, you know, trash talking happens all the time, obviously, on the ice. I'm sure you're well aware. And, um, <laughs> and so, like, uh, there was apparently a game uh, that a teammate of Char's said something that he felt was way below the pal to a teammate on the other side. Yep. Like, really gross. Um, you know, in terms of addiction, actually. Yep. And oh. um, Char was so disgusted by what was said to this player that I was told that Char, after the game, went to the opposing locker room and just stood there and waited for the player that was, this was said to and apologized to him on that, behalf of the Bruins. I mean, that I, is unbelievable. I believe that yeah. absolutely 100%. Yeah. That, yeah. that sounds exactly like something he would do. He's just, like I said, he's, he's a teddy bear. He's, he's, a, he's an amazing, he's just as good as a humanitarian as he is as a hockey player that played in the NHL for 22 yeah. years. Stanley Cups, I mean, Captain, just an absolute legend. Right, so we're thrilled to have Moe's as one of our new sponsors here on Worst Seats in the House. And Moe's Ice House is a new spot at Fogarty Arena. I've been a guy that was a youth hockey parent. I've been to those weekend tournaments where you're at the rink seemingly forever. This is a great spot if you're at Fogarty to swing in, grab some breakfast beforehand, grab some lunch afterward, in between games, 
in and around ice time. Your kids are out there practicing, whatever. But it's also just a great spot to go just on a game night and watch a game. It's a little off the beaten path, but it's right at Fogarty Arena. Solid menu, great TVs, a cool big open bar area where you can sit. It's likely to be the host of the Donkey Hockey League draft this year. Uh, they've got a great banquet room off the backside. Uh, the, what I tell you now is on my first visit in there, I went with one of my old favorites from the old Moe's restaurant, which is the pastrami sandwich. On a, It's on a pretzel bun, but it is phenomenal. So go check it out, Moe's Ice House uh, at Fogarty Arena up in Blaine. And if you have to have stay home for your meal, then swing into Kowalski's and pick up whatever you need for dinner. We've had a few really good ones lately at a pork tenderloin there. But I went back and tried the 40-day USDA Prime fillets after we had made them at our podcast live at the Kowalski's parking lot to try to match what we made that night because that night I thought those were some of the best fillets I've had. We had them again. They were good. They weren't quite as good as as what we made that night, so I might have to go back to Troy Schmeling, the head of their meat and seafood department, and find out exactly how he had his grill set up. Those were a little better. Even though I was the same guy grilling them, I think they were a little better that night. But it's outstanding, so check it out. And when you head into the meat and seafood department there, you'll be thankful that you did. Anytime you're going to have a great meal, you got to start there and go to Kowalski's. And here's a word from Bosch Law Firm. Hey, hockey fans. Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call's always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your behalf. Call or text us at 651-333-8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com. So I was in Vegas the other day for the NHL Media Tour, and, we, and Nathan McKinnon put on a show. He was like a little Mark Parrish, just giving us anecdote after anecdote. He was su- <laughs> in such a great thing. And he was on such a roll, I just asked him point blank. I'm like, you know, can you give us a status report of your, of your contract extension negotiations? And he laid it out there, said that they're close and blah, blah, blah. And it turned out to be the, really the only news of that weekend. And um, so today he signs an eight-year deal at $12.6 million, highest paid player in the NHL above Connor McDavid and probably below what Austin Matthews is expecting to get. Um, <laughs> yes. high, highest paid player in the NHL. Goals. Actually, technically the highest paid player in the NHL is a 12-7, the Wild to play. Crazy and So for $100,000 more, the Wild have two dead contracts under their uh, thing. But um, McKinnon, you know, man, uh, you know, super uh, in, in a lot. I mean, he just shows you how markets change, right? When he signed his contract, he probably even was underpaid then. He was, I looked it up the other day in Minnesota uh, when I was in, in Vegas writing this story that he was the 103rd highest cap hit this past season in the NHL. And today, um, Pepperson negotiates a contract that basically makes up for that and more. Yeah, now he's the highest paid player in the NHL. Yeah, and, and he's earned it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, guy, you guy kept his mouth shut being the fourth highest paid player on his own team. And, and did everything we're talking about another leader. And man, does anybody elevate their game in the playoffs like Nathan McKinnon? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it is, at, he is already one of the most dynamic, fastest, skilled hockey players, forwards especially, in the world. Because I don't want to, you know, take away from that Kale McCarr that always yeah. comes to mind when I think of yeah. Colorado. Uh, 
and he has done nothing but play spectacular during the season and elevate that play in the last, in the last few playoffs. Two years ago, he, I mean, he almost by himself got Colorado to the, or the bubble year. I mean, he just put them on their back. He's, he, he elevates his game. He elevated his team. Obviously, they had a spectacular team, but he, he's earned it. And, and if anything... I love it. I mean, as a player, I love it. If I'm if I'm Connor McDavid, yeah. if I'm Austin Matthews, absolutely. You want to see those contracts because yeah, those guys are going to come up and sixty goals. You're going to pay for that. You pay for goals in the NHL, just like just like Colorado to pay Connor. They're going to have to pay Austin and uh, or excuse me, uh, uh, Edmonton yeah, playing. Yeah, yeah. Edmonton's you know, Toronto forcing playing. that. You, you, you as a player, you want to see that, and you're like. Oh, you yeah. think you're the you think you're the best player in the yeah. league to you, and they're gonna that inner strife. Whether you're friends or not, that's just the way the game's played. That's the game. That's the NHL. That's professional hockey player. Yeah. If, if you think you're better than Connor McDavid right now, you are. Jesus, did it again. Oh, hey, Nathan, all, Nathan McKinnon. Too many mix. There is way the too many. Nathan McKinnon, right now, you are giddy because you're like I'm gonna. You go out and show it. You're gonna get paid. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, really, obviously, good contract, as you said. So let's talk a little bit about the Wild. And again, we have a mic up here. If you have a question, uh, come on up. I want to talk about the Wild, and then we'll talk about some old uh, Parish Russo stories from uh, back in the day. <laughs> Why am um, I nervous about that? Yeah, yeah no, I mean, no, I mean, there's a chance that you being late to practice in Ottawa will come oh, up again. Uh, it's been I, so yeah, every now and then, I got to bring that up uh, live publicly. Um, so let's talk about the Wild. So uh, just to give everybody a remedial session on, like, um, on – the Dean Evison Q&A, which hopefully everybody listening to this podcast is a uh, athletic subscriber and read that, but it is it works perfectly as sort of a training camp advance because it's as forthcoming as Dean has ever been. I mean, he literally told me what their lines are going to be to start yeah. camp, who their defense pair is <laughs> going to be, and this is stuff that he normally wouldn't do. But he basically said that the first day of camp that he plans to have, keep the top line intact, yep. obviously Kaprizov, Hartman, and Zuccarello. The second line, whatever you call it, um, say it's Erickson X line, Greenway is going to be late to start the season because of injury. Um, Marcus Foligno on the right side. He's going to try Tyson Jost yep. on the left side there. Um, third line, it sounds like he is going to go uh, with uh, Rossi, uh, Goudreau, and Boldy. And then the fourth line, Couture, Steele, and Dewar. Did I say Couture? Sorry. Yeah. I was just, anyway, yes. I might have just sent a message. I might have just sent a message to him right hint, before hint. I got here. Um, Dewar and um, I'm doing this Jake Middleton story, so I reached out to him for this uh, for some anecdotes. But um, anyway, um, Dewar, Duham, and Sam Steele. So uh, let's talk about the lines first. Um, you know, obviously, you're not ta- changing the top line no. after last year. Can't. Yeah. Can't. That that gets left alone because. The, those are the guys that got to lead the charge. You, those are your leaders. Whether whether they have letters on their chest or not, your top line is your leaders. They're your spearhead of your offense. Those guys have to be, and I'm sure they are, giddy. They can't wait to get back. When to, to think about that Islander year when me, Pekka, and Bates, the that line was together. We all had career years lost out in the first round. We couldn't wait to get back together and and again show like, hey, we know we are this line. Now we need to show the league how good we are. We know how good we are. Our fans know we are. We got to go out there and dominate as the first line in the NHL. Makes sense. Uh, you know the way that Dean deployed the grief line last year. Um, now not having Greenway there, um, what do you think it does to that line with Eric Seneca Foligno, or do you think Joe will be able to fit in there and maybe even provide a little more offense than Greenway did? I think I think I that's the point. You, you nailed it on the head. Will you? I think you maybe provide a little bit more with shooting, hopefully a little bit more scoring, which which maybe will scare Greenway, and that's a good thing in inter, a squad competition. Uh, that pushes the team to be better. I mean, if you got somebody playing better than you, you want to be in lineup. Well, you got to outplay them, outwork them in practice. That's how teams get better from within, and that's exactly what this team has to do 
with the cap situation with there. And this is an exciting time of year right now when you're the young guys. When, when you look at this, if I'm Rossi, obviously Boldy, he's coming in more of a sophomore feeling, but like Rossi, all these other guys, Dewar, this is a huge opportunity to play, to get a regular job in the NHL on a competitive team. It's very much where the situation I was in in Florida, where it, this was a competitive team, but there were spots available. There was, there was, there was, I got lucky that there was a top six available. There was a couple because Gavash and I got, got on the top line with Kozlov. And we made it. We took advantage of those opportunities. So I'm excited to see who's going to do it. I th- you know, obviously, when you look at Ross, he's going to get a good long look. He, the, those guys are going to, they're going to get more of a look than, than anyone else. And they're going to get the opportunity, not necessarily forced, but they're going to get opportunity, especially when you look at how the season's going to go. They're yeah. not going to be making trades. To, they're calling guys up. So even if you're in the American League, you don't make this team right away, get ready. you got to be excited and to be ready in the American League because if somebody goes down, they're calling somebody up. The, the help isn't coming from anywhere else. they got to pinch pennies now. Yeah. It's got to be built from within. So it is such – that's what I remember about being about Florida. Like, it was exciting. It was so exciting to step in all of a sudden, like, oh, I don't get to play with Dino Cifrilli. Man, we're, we're a playoff contending yeah. team. This is, this is awesome to fit in like that. You know, and this is obviously where everything goes well. Right. And guys step up. That's the other side of it, too. That's the, the flip side of that coin. you got to have somebody step up, too. I mean, the, the opportunities are there, but somebody's got to take advantage of it. Which brings me to my next point. But by the way, on an aside, wasn't Ola Kavasha like the biggest waste of talent? Oh, my God. He was so good. Yeah. If you, anyone like you ever saw him in practice? Yeah. The greatest hockey player. He skated like a wind. Yeah. He and then he just stick handle shoot. He did absolutely he was the best NHL hockey player in practice. Yeah. <laughs> and then you drop the puck and something yeah, happened. That's, yeah, exactly. He was like, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, uh, Marco Rossi, you just brought, like, how important is it for him to stand out? Like, last year, I just, obviously, and he had all the excuses in the world, right? Short offseason, major health crisis. Um, but, you know, now it is, that door is wide open for him to make the team. He's got to stand out, right? And, it's, it, and again, he, because he's got this empty slate, this is his first camp. So, obviously, there, there, there's not going to be the scrutiny on him necessarily. It's, they're going to be looked at this as his full camp. He finally got a full year, I mean, going into. So, he's, he's coming into camp right now. Holy cow. I mean, I'd be giddy like yeah. right now. I, he's getting a chance to play if, if, he, if he's prepared. And that's the other side. I, I didn't have to deal with any kind of health issue that obviously took me out for a year or anything like that. But any kind of injury from that sense that takes you out, that, that forces your, slows down your development. Because regardless, you're developing as your NHL career goes on, you're developing as a hockey player, right? So he's gonna, his development is going to continue. So he's going to come out inside. He has got to be just chomping at the bit. He's got, a, he's got a spot that's open for him, a team that's excited to have him. He comes in prepared like he is, and that's and the, the great thing, that's, that's what people love about him is his preparation, is he's already almost an NHLer. So I'm excited to see what that turns out, how that, how that turns out or develops onto the ice, what that means onto the ice. But, man, I hope he is coming in just hungry and excited because there is a spot available for him, and, he, and if his agent or somebody's be like, you know, this is your first camp, so the expectations are low perfect time to throw down a hammer with a lot of play and be like, whoa, this is what we got. Here's your spot. Here's your in the lineup. Let's play. And, of course, the, the rookie mistake yeah. will happen. But 
if his preparation and if he is ready to play as an NHLer, he'll be in that line. Yeah, and I, I, you know, my gut says he's at a little. He knows at a minimum. You know, he's coming in determined because mm-hmm. you know just getting to spend time with him and knowing his personality. I know he's coming in. He, I, I wrote a really cool anecdote in that big feature that I wrote on last la, the other day is that he actually told his family like nobody's coming. Like until oh, no, until Thanksgiving. I kind of want like, you coming over from Australia. Yeah, he's basically awesome. like, I don't want any distractions. You know, nothing. And and so I, I think that says a lot about him. For a young man to step yep. up like that, that's hard to tell your parents or family to back yeah. off. Hey, I have Especially to focus. Especially as close as he I'm, is with his dad, and you know. exactly that shows. That alone tells everyone I'm ready. Yeah, that that, no that, doubt. that kind of gave the, the hair on the back of my neck stand up. You don't see young guys learn that. That that goes to this guy's ready. Um, the uh. Let's talk the blue line. Um, you know, the big news that he, that Dean volunteered to me was that they are they're going to split up uh, at least to start camp. Uh, Spurgeon and Middleton and Brodeen and Dumbo, who have been you know tag team partners forever, and they're going to start Brodeen with uh, Spurgeon and Middleton with Dumba at least in camp, and then you have a third pair, probably Goligoski and Addison, I would assume, but Schuster's going to be right there as well. Um, you know, who's like you know Minnie's Dan O'Chara, <laughs> at least the same size. Um, <laughs> yes. But what do you think of that? That they're doing this to basically try to ha- low, you know, go that against that little pair between Brodeen and Spurgeon going against top teams, top players from other teams. I love it. Uh, reading your article, I I loved it. Uh, I one I was so impressed with Dean, and like I said, I was. You don't expect me to throw the lines out there. This is what we're. That, that, that's right. kind of shocking. You usually, just hear that behind closed doors, even if they're talking about it then. Um, and it was great. And I love the, the kind of the overall, what I got is like the intensity of this team has to change. Yeah. So we're a playoff team now. This isn't like, we're not, this isn't a team that he's not talking about a team that's making the playoff or excuse me, challenging for the playoffs. He's coaching this team for the playoffs. That's what I got about. That is exactly what the lessons they learned. They weren't ready for when they ran into the big clubs in a seven game series. When you got to clamp down, when you need a pair, you have to throw out there. We didn't have it. We ran into we we they're, they're, the eyes opened up for the wild. Not that we didn't have it; that it just wasn't there. I shouldn't say that we don't have the players. They, they just weren't ready. It, it it looked like everybody was overwhelmed. It really did. And and it's and that's kind of been the last couple of years with the wild. And and I loved that's how that right from the get go of that article. That's where Dean's focus is, and that's where the, well, I know we'll get to special teams later and everything. Uh, but but that those are the moves. That's why he's that's why he's doing that right now. He went through. Yeah, those 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 pairs, the pairs they had last year. Yeah, they worked 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 well in the regular season. That was great. Didn't get us anywhere in the playoffs. We need we need to switch it up. You look at the best teams, Colorado. You're seeing Kale McCarr with multiple partners. You you look at Tampa. You know Hedman. Obviously, you're talking about some greats. But we got a Jones Brodeen. You know we got a Spurgeon. We have players that can do that. We just got to find that right chemistry together as as a combo. So I love that Dean is. He's this isn't about the. He's not talking about the regular season. He's already looking at the postseason. How are we going to be better there? And though, these are the steps that he laid out. Yeah. I love those are the steps exactly what I feel the Wild need to do too. And overall, it's an intensity. It's, there's just an overall intensity yeah. to the game that they're just missing. And, and we're talking about as fine an edge as you can talk about when it comes to intensity and determination and how bad you want it in the NHL. As, the thinnest hairs can be is what gets you to that next round. Yeah, and that's what that's what Dean's trying to instill. Right, and now. I was and extre- I yeah, I was extremely impressed with his accountability on putting the finger at him and the coaching staff yeah. in the playoffs too. That it's they incredible. have to be harder and better and and all that type of stuff. Um, before we get to special teams, uh, let's talk about uh, uh, Flower. 
Um, you know, Flower came, you know, look, when he, I sat in his house the day that he re-signed with the Wild, and he was convinced it was going to be a 50-50 split with Cam Talbot. <laughs> Obviously, you know, 41 and 41 is not a whole lot different than 50 and 32, but when you're 37 years old and you expected, you know, every other night off, it is a little different. So, um, you know, what, what do you think of, uh, you know, basically one, uh, th this little, uh, you know, tandem that they're going to have with Philip Gustafson? And on an aside, I mean, just how imperative is it that Gustafson comes in here and not just plays games and eats minutes, but actually wins some games? Well, you kind of nailed it when you're talking to Flurry. I mean, yeah. his attention is 50-50, and all of a sudden he's gone. You're like, well, wait a minute. I mean, he knows his age. Yeah. And he, I talked he to Flurry in he's, Vegas he's the other day. And, yeah, Flurry admitted the other day. I don't know if everybody saw. I think that ran yesterday where Flurry. <laughs> I did a thing where Flurry was talking about him playing beer league as a forward this year, but he also talked about how he was very surprised. He thought he had this great relationship with Cam, and then Cam, yeah, you know, says I don't want to, you know, be a tandem. And 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 that's the way the game works. Yeah. Right? You know, that's the pro game. And I love that Bill. I love how Bill handled it. Okay, fine. And he moved right Adios. on. There was no. There was no big deal. There was no drawing it out. There was okay. You're unhappy. We're going to move on because he knows what this room is capable of. He knows how special the the character, the yeah. the chemistry is already. And that's so important not to mess with. But then of course he goes out and gets Gustafson, a young goaltender that. I mean, he was he was in Ottawa last year, so he had some great nights. We covered him quite a bit in the NHL Network. He had some big nights. He's gonna. It's a. He's got to look at it the same as the young guys that are coming in for the forward spot. This is an amazing opportunity. If he's ever going to show that he's capable of carrying the load, it's going to be this year because we need him to play. We, we need those games. Like you said, Fleury is 30. Well, he's old. He's almost as old as I or we are for <laughs> crying out loud. And, and, I wish I was that old. Oh, God, me too. And uh, <laughs> we... Uh, uh, we uh, uh, to, to have that split. And I, 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 I got to be honest, I, I fought that. I was old school in the thinking, the Marty Brodeurs, let them play 70 games. Come yeah. on, let them get their rhythm. Uh, and this whole 60-40 split thing came in, and I was it. Ah, get out of here. I'm, I'm doing this story uh, on goalie tandem that's going to run probably around October 5th. And I talked to Vasilevsky the other day in, uh, in Vegas, and he was basically explaining what you just said, like, you know, why they're, the, like, the new NHL is going to these goalie tandems and injuries and the stress of the position. And then he, then he stops himself. He goes, but I still want to play 70. <laughs> you know, like, like, he's basically like, everybody else could have a tandem, but, like, I'm not in a tandem. And, you know, frankly, you could probably have a tandem of Vasilevsky and, and, uh, and, and me and yeah. still be the number one ranked <laughs> tandem in the league, you know? So, not to interrupt you, but no, 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 yeah. no, no. That was good. Uh, but let, but let's uh, because I want to get to some questions here too, and I want to talk to you about uh, some other fun stuff. But uh, let's just—you were a power play player. You went up against penalty kills. You saw the Wild play a ton of games last year with your role at Bally Sports North. Why was your special team so bad? And you know, the one thing that was clear in the playoffs is that you can't magically fix it. That what what really was their Achilles heel in the regular season became their absolute, you know, nemesis and yep. killed them in the playoffs. They're obviously with Caprizov, Zuccarello, with that matchup alone, our power play is dangerous. Throw three other people out there just to mess with their four and they we're going to get plenty of magic out of that. But we, we have the skill there uh, that we showed. The the thing about the power play that, that bothered me uh, – Shouldn't say bothered me. I don't want to <laughs> start a fight with. Uh, I'm not quite sure who's running the power play, but um, the intensity. Dean kind of nailed it. Um, the, there's a fine line. They're very skilled when they get it in under control. When they use their speed, and yes, they're working hard. That's great. Um, 
they instantly just start looking for a nice play. Uh, there's, there's structure that can be put in play and not take away their creativity as, as an offense, as a, as, a, as a power play. If you look at the Pittsburgh with Crosby and Malkin, they've been doing it for years. When they set up a power play, it, Crosby and Malkin don't necessarily always skate around. They, you go in to set up a power play and more or less establish a shot. I'm going to give you the cliff notes because I, I could go on for hours and hours just on the power play. Um, you, first things first, you want to establish shots. So there's an intensity and a ready to play, ready to go on the power play when that puck drops. Not like, okay, we're set up now on the power play, now let's start taking it to the net. An intensity to where you get that cross, that puck across the blue line, and you are looking to take a shot. You're looking to take the puck to the net. Get the puck to the net. They're, they always talk about how do we break the box? How do, how, do we, how do we get that box collapsed? You ever seen a puck go on net for a rebound? How quick does that box vanish? Yep. Right? Establish a shot is the very first, the most important thing when you're establishing a power play. If you have a power play that's established shot, you're, 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 you're almost instantly putting the other team on their heels. You've got to be ready for it, not force it. There's a difference between forcing it and just taking a shot when it's available. But you see Brodeen walking across. We see it a lot of times. There's shots available for him. Sometimes he doesn't take them. But on the flip side, the guys without the puck, their intensity's got to be ready too. They've got to be ready. If you ever watch Sidney Crosby, Sidney Crosby is the absolute best hockey player to watch when it comes to it. He is always ready for the puck and ready to make a play. Like he is ready. He's in the game. He's involved. He's constantly moving. When he gets it, he's gone. There's no like hesitation. There's no oh, he's looking around. He knows what he's doing because he's involved in the game. So the other people have to be that in tuned and, 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 and focused in with the group that they're moving with you. So someone is in front of that net ready or going to the net for Jonas so he can throw that puck on net. So a lot of the times when he's doing it and everybody's yelling, shoot, he wants to. Nobody's there and he's just throwing it on net. The goalie's going to take a whistle. So it's not just the player with the puck. It's the other guys. And if we get in there, if we can establish some passing, quick passing, to settle everything down, that will establish that shot. Big thing, establish that shot, and, and then the things will open up from there. And that's the one thing that, that they just kind of instantly got in, and they were instantly perimeter. There was no, there was no instant uh, drive to the net. They, they never put any penalty kill back on their heels. It was like there was all, every penalty kill could just kind of, okay, we're just going to set up now, get in our diamond or box or whatever we're going to do uh, you know, to, to, to defend it. And they just get settled. Don't let them get settled. If you no. come across the blue line and it's a two-on-one or you got somebody going to the net, fire that thing on the net for a rebound. You can out and do you have one more person than them. They got three guys in front of the net, throw four. It's yeah. pretty simple. Question. By the way, I got to tell you something. So, like, I'm, I, I, I'm seeing you guys in the back of the room and your buddy there with the backwards cap, every time I look at him, he, I'm, like, thinking it's Pierre-Marc Bouchard. Like, do you see oh that right Lord, now? Now that you yeah, say yeah. that, like it's just oh, he's like, the smile. Yeah, he does. Like, he looks like just, Butch. Like honestly, I keep on I'm not looking. I'm like, him in ping pong. I'm like, yeah. I was just like, <laughs> I kept on looking. I'm like, if Bouchard's here, we should oh have you Lord. both on. Butch, anyway. So anyway, so anyway, I just had to say that. So there you go. You're the first question of the night, and we're like 51 minutes into the podcast, <laughs> Brandon. Like Can't this is a record. Shut up. This is I what happens you. when Lapanta doesn't show. I'm shy. I'm shy. Here we go. Awesome. Thanks, guys, for having us. Yeah. Um, Mark, I wanted to go back a little bit about your college career. So I grew up in Mankato and went to UMD for college. Nice. Loved everything that's going on there. I've never been to St. Cloud or what, you know, I just want to hear about their program, where they're going, because they're producing a lot of talent right now. Yeah, boy, they have really stepped up. It, it's exciting. I love watching it. Uh, you know, obviously going with Motsko, I was there with um, Craig Dahl. And that was just kind of the start, you know, myself and Cullen, uh, you know, Ryan Malone. 
uh, D, guys like that, 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 that we finally go, like started to get really an NHL uh, funnel, I should say. And Bob Motzko took over, did such an amazing job. And I think one of the things that, that they do well uh, and but Brett Larson does the same thing. It's it's not necessarily yeah the the blue chippers, but it's the right blue chippers. It's the right attitude. It's the right chemistry. They've always bring in great guys, hardworking guys, kind of under that radar of the, the blue chip talent, but still very good diamonds in the rough. And he gr gives them a space. Bob lets them play uh, to the point where I've even gotten frustrated with him at St. Cloud, and I'm sure Gopher alumni have gotten a, a frustrated with him too, but he lets the kids play and he lets them. That's a big part of it is realizing that college is a big part of the development. It's, it's the start. I don't even want to say it's the start of win at all costs. It's the start of the business of hockey. Let's say that. Um, but, but, but that's where the development is. And I think Motsko's done a great job and Brett Larson has just continued that on to go with recruiting. I mean, you look at Larson when we first got him, uh, when UMD won that in Ohio State, uh, he recruited 60-some percent of the players that were in the Frozen Four now that he was coaching. It was, it was crazy. So, so that's what they've done. They've done a great job recruiting, but it's just the right people. And they have the right people. Heather Weems, the, uh, uh, the, the athletic director up at St. Cloud, is wonderful. And she brings in great people. It's, it's been super fun to watch. Great question. I love it. Talking Huskies. Go Huskies. Thank Thanks, guys. With cold water approaching, I don't want to get stuck with no heat. That's why I called Aquarius Home Services, and within a day, they sent a technician out to give me a furnace tune-up. He was professional, knowledgeable, and got the furnace all prepped up for the cold winter ahead. Aquarius provides a five-star furnace tune-up. They will thoroughly evaluate your entire heating system, review the results with you, and happily answer any questions. If they find any concerns, well, Aquarius will provide clear options with upfront pricing and review their no-breakdown guarantee. Aquarius believes in earning the right to be recommended. They're just a click away at Aquarius HomeServices.com, and don't forget to mention Russo sent you. Take the checking account challenge from Royal Credit Union. Compare your checking account to Royal and see why it makes sense to switch. Royal's checking accounts have no hidden fees and lots of free features that make it easy to stay on top of your money. You can deposit checks with the Royal's mobile app, receive real-time notifications when transactions happen, and even freeze your debit card in seconds. See what other features you're missing out on and make the switch to a Royal checking account at rcu.org slash Royal Challenge, insured by NCUA. If you're thinking about selling your home, now is the time, my friends. Over at Chris Lindahl Real Estate, they are absolutely money. You can get a strong cash offer. Sell your home stress-free with a guaranteed offer with Chris Lindahl Real Estate. Don't worry about the hassle of constant cleaning and home maintenance. Sell your home with Chris Lindahl. Today, I told you many, many times he sold. Actually, his uh, colleague, Jen, also uh, really was a huge help in s helping sell my uh, condo in downtown Minneapolis a couple years back. So go to chrislindahl.com right now. Fill out a quick form. Receive an all-cash offer on your home today. No obligation. The guaranteed offer allows you to bypass the market and sell your home hassle-free. That means no showings, no open houses, no stress. Just choose when you want to move, and you'll with uh, you'll close with confidence. That is Chris Lindahl guaranteed offer. It keeps you in control. It's that simple. Go to chrislindahl.com to get a guaranteed offer on your home today so you can start packing. Certain restrictions apply. Uh, so I'm going to follow up on the Huskies. I was at St. Cloud State, same time you were. Uh, those were... That was your line mate. All right. <laughs> Bales? So uh, you were actually part of the best fleas before the Islanders because somehow you wound up at St. Cloud State instead of the University of Minnesota. You and Colin. Uh, it was a lot of fun watching you guys. Uh, so my were question... You, were you recruited by the Gophers or no? 
I, sort of. Okay. There's I, a story there yeah. that oh, okay. I would love to hear someday. <laughs> I can give it quick. Um, maybe quick. I can give it because I love telling it. Uh, so, yeah, I was recruited. It's funny because Matt Cullen has the almost verbatim exact story with Doug Woog. Uh, and Mark Mazzolini, who was the assistant, just went to Miami, Ohio that summer. So, so he kind of claimed that his main recruiting was off. But I go into his meet. We go into a, a, a unofficial visit, just meet him. He calls us into the office. And for two and a half hours, he ripped the crap out of me. I was too, too small, couldn't skate on. I was too small, too slow of a centerman. <laughs> and I don't know how many times my dad kept telling me he's not a centerman. Uh, in, in the concert, it literally lasted for about two and a half hours, and I couldn't believe it. I, I kind of stepped up, and I got out of there. I'm like, I guess I can check Minnesota off the list. And that's literally how it happened. And he told Matt Cullen the execs. He said the only thing I had going for me was my shot. I could score goals, but I couldn't get around in the Olympic size ice, so I'm like, okay, fine. And Matt Cullen was the exact same, exact same thing, except for all he could do was to candle. <laughs> that's all he could do. That's it. How he liked that hat trick at Mariucci <laughs> with the overtime winner. Yeah, that's you know, a good question. Uh, I love it because uh, Eric Pagel, Rico Pagel, I totally rained on his parade because he was a freshman <laughs> uh, and he's a really good friend. Our kids are playing hockey together now in Orno. Uh, he had he had two and he had the two goals and where they were up two one going into the third and then I finished with a hat trick and he still gets pissed about it and I love that's that. That's hilarious. Uh, but yeah, like that's that's the fun stuff. You know, it is Col- amazing Colleen how like little about, sometimes little college things. coaches know. Like I know a great story and I don't want to put it out, but the, there's a guy <laughs> currently in the NHL that was recruited by a school in the old WCHA and um, decommitted because he was playing juniors and the coach there had no idea that he even left his high school. And, and, and finally, yeah, I'm trying to really smooth it over. Smooth it over because I don't want to give away who it is but, yeah. uh, because, you know, I've never actually double, like, double sourced the story that this yeah. is actually true. But, like, this coach had from a major college, had no idea that this player was not even in high school during an entire year that he wasn't there, essentially. There was and story. it really bothered this player. And he decommitted and went to another school. Yeah, yeah. won a national championship. There's stories of, like, Jeff Sauer uh, at Wisconsin when I was there in the 90s, mid-90s, yeah. still yelling, like, Chelly, Chelly, Chelios, get out there. Like, he's been in the NHL for 12 years, man. <laughs> like, like, yeah, there's stories of that where college, uh, college coaches, they got a lot going on. Yeah, right. They got a lot going on. Let's just say that. So I actually do have a question, but I have one comment for Mr. Russo and for Mark. Uh, on your human interest pieces, you need to put a warning at the top of the human interest piece that uh, tears will be shed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with, He's good at that. Yes, he is. Yes, he uh, is. Thank you for being open and honest about your story, because uh, I have a brother that de- deals with addiction. Oh. And uh, then also the Brock Besser, I lost my dad to cancer. And... Uh, being there at the end, I could relate to that. Yeah, very sorry. But you really do need to put human yeah. warnings on that. Yeah, no, I, I, I know. Uh, trust me, that, what are, you know, I, like the Besser story, there's, there are certain stories that, like, while you're writing a story, it actually makes you cheer up while writing it. Mark was one of them. Um, you know, uh, and during our interview, which we had a, a multiple, if yep. I remember, um, yep. you know, there were a couple of tears shed. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but the, Brock one was one of them. Um, the Derek Bugard one that I did with his family a year ago or so, that was one of them. And, and, but the Besser one, um, somebody gave me a great analogy of it that it was like a, oh, I, I'm, I, it was like this, 
You know that roller coaster? There's a roller coaster at Disney that um, that is like it, you're, you start off completely stopped, and the next thing you know, you're like fly up into the air immediately, like in an instant. Like that's sort of how the lead of the Brockbuster one. It like brings you right into you know into into the emotion right away, and that's one story where I think it ends heartwarmingly. But it's but it it is a throughout the story. Tear fest, there's no doubt. So here's my actual hockey question yeah. with Wild. Because uh, we've had the gopher recruit uh, explanation or bio. What is the prospects for Hinches and Pert? Um, I think good. I mean, Pert obviously is back at college. Hinchkiss is starting in Iowa this year. Um, look, uh, I had a great, great college career. They signed him. Um, and you're going to an, he's going to an Iowa team that there, you know, there's not a lot. Um, you know, up front there uh, from veteran standpoint. So there's going to be opportunities for him to play. I'll be interested to see the position that he plays as well. Um, you know Hensch yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, right away when I think of Sam, Motor, holy cow. I mean, he's – the Iowa coaches are going to like him a lot. If, if he continues with how he is, his work ethic, he brings it, everything, off the ice, on the ice, and that's pro. That's, that's pro style. Uh, I look at him, and I don't know if you guys know this name, but like a Sean Podine, yeah. uh, who who just ca came out of college, and he just worked his way in. And I could rattle off a bunch of other names, too, that have done that. And I kind of look at Sam as that mold. Uh, I think he could turn himself into an NHLer easily. I think he's got the game. I think he could even be a, like a guy where he could chip in, chip in some goals, you know, here and there. But But with his work ethic... Uh, his determination, like we've talked about, like Mike just said, there, there's opportunities. And a guy like that, I could see getting a carrot at some point during the year from his work ethic. If he continues on and his develop from what I've seen in St. Cloud, I could see him, we see him in a wild uniform at some point, filling in for maybe a fourth liner. I could see that at some point this year. If you have any questions, now's the time to come up because um, we, Mark does have the early shift at, uh, on the yeah. power trip tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and I do want to ask you one, a couple uh, fun questions as well. Question. Uh, question for uh, both of you. Um, with Jason Robinson still out on yeah, the, Robinson. Uh, yeah. And with the signing of uh, uh, Cairo and, and also Thomas by the Blues mm -hmm. you know, recently and stuff like that. Do you do you think Dallas is playing with fire here or what? Are well, I don't know if they're playing with fire, but they're going to have to like like Robertson's going to get paid they're going to have to get rid of a body. There's about seven or eight teams right now that I think, uh, and Bill Guerin's one of those people that's like <laughs> hovering above like a, like a, like a, you know, vulture waiting for these teams to get really desperate come time. But look, you know, you're allowed to go over the cap right now. So Dallas can sign them at any point. They're going to have to pay them. Um, the, the market right now is out of control. So they are going to have to pay this kid. Um, you know, Kaprizov, <laughs> yeah. who is, he was second in, in, um, in now a different story, different, you know, circumstance, but Kaprizov, uh, who was up for the Calder with him, um, got nine million. These, as you mentioned, got eight, eight and change. Um, they're going to have to pay him, and, and when they pay him, they're going to have to dump body to to get under the cap. There's a lot of. I was talking to an agent today. There's a lot of teams out there that not only are at or above the cap, but they have too many forwards. And so, like teams like Edmonton, Montreal, Boston, Dallas, Florida. Um, trying to think any others that pop in my head. They're all going to have to make moves at some point. Montreal, they have too many forwards. They'll be able to put price on LTI. Um, you know, Philadelphia suddenly has some relief with Couturier and, and, uh, and Ellis. Um, you know, there are teams that are going to have LTI relief, Tampa with Seabrook, but, but there are teams out there that are going to have to make moves, and Brill Guerin's hoping that, that and Dallas is definitely going to have to be one of them because they're going to go over the cap the second they sign Robertson. So... 
Question. You're grinning like a uh, Cheshire cat because he knows, <laughs> it's, it's he knows I'm going to make fun of him. So this is um, – so this that's carp over there, Mark. Okay, and, I got you. Know, you. In today's day and age, it's impossible to get off Twitter. Carp, <laughs> carp got kicked off Twitter by Twitter. That's how bad whatever Carp oh, did got what Twitter. Did you and then do? Carp tried to sneak into his friend's account here to check things out, and he got him banned from Twitter. <laughs> So in a, in, a, in a world where you could say the most disgusting stuff on Twitter, somehow Twitter attacked do? these two. So these two guys who are used to be prolific on Twitter are no longer on Twitter, which uh. ma- has made my life both easier and more boring at the same time. <laughs> so, All right. So mine was uh, one was no comment. Game. No comment. You're asking Mike, right? No, uh, how much dang Carp, it. Carp has got to give you something. <laughs> like tell me you've tr- like you, he's that payback's a. Oh, we haven't negotiated that yet, but yeah, well, uh, you, he owes you something. I'm dragging it out so I can get a bit more in return. Okay. Yeah, well so, played, well played, yeah. well played. So my question was, uh, when was the game that you got your teeth knocked out and what happened? This was, okay, so uh, uh, the front four got knocked out my rookie year. Uh, yep, Mike was there for that one. Uh, I got sent down for the all-star break. Uh, and I literally, it was just miserable. We're, we're in New York. I got, I had plans to go with, with like a couple of the Americans, like Hedekin and Whitney. I think they went to Fort, uh, uh, the keys and I was supposed to go there and we literally just did overnight trip to New York and we're supposed to be back all-star game next week. After the game, I'm getting dressed. (laughs) Brian Murgis is like, well, you know, you haven't been playing much. You've been in the lineup. We need you to play this weekend. I'm in one suit and there's three games to be played. Over this, like three and four is this nights. Louisville or San Antonio? This was um, uh, the New Haven. New Haven. New Haven. Okay, that was Beast back of New Haven. Still in- and I went, I can't remember where I was. Portland was Portland was first. I can't remember where I was second, but I finished in, in Hartford. Uh, it's three games and four nights is all I played. One suit the whole time. Didn't have a change to anything. It was just miserable riding the bus. And it was the very first game I'm playing in Portland. Uh, I remember Casey Hankinson was playing for the Portland Pirates. He said, what are you doing here? I was actually like leading the NHL goals as a rookie, for God's sakes. Yeah. I got sent down for the all-star break. And uh, so I, I'm going to the net, just like I normally do, get tripped up. And I stand next to the goal. I stand next to the goal. I never even saw it. My teammate took a slap shot, got me right here. I didn't know if I got punched. I had no idea what happened to me. All I know is I went down, and all my teeth were in my glove. And... I mean, I know that hurts. And luckily went right off the ice. And, of course, since it's the American League, uh, they did nothing. Um, absolutely nothing. Uh, I, I missed the last minute and a half of that game, played the next two periods, actually scored a goal with missing them, and I had to keep my mouth shut. Luckily, I, I, I had a mouth guard, so I had my mouth guarding because the nerves were just dangling. Um, and if you've ever had a nerve on your tooth, yeah. So I played two and a half hockey games with nerves. Uh, dangling out of my front four uh, and I couldn't drink or eat anything so I was just with a straw to my shake and it was really funny so then I, I go back to Florida the day before uh, we're, we're called back and I got three and four I see the dentist the dentist is excited because he's never done four root canals like this at one time Marty Robbins Marty Robbins oh my lord great guy yeah, great guy the best but oh my God, I, I can't believe awesome. I remember How his did name. You remember I bet I still that? have his cell phone that's on incredible. my phone that's incredible that's awesome he was the first one there was many more after that but that was the first time I lost these front four. The last time I was actually playing doctor? for the Wild. Howard Bush? Bush, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm still in touch Lord. with those guys. Question your memory anymore. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> yeah, I don't ever do it again. <laughs> but that was a front four. The last time was actually with the Wild, and it was, uh, I had it knocked out like the year before, and like two, so was it two, probably been 2006 or 2007. 
Um, and they just put kind of the flipper in. It was literally just a blue plastic. I have an implant in there, just a blue plastic tip. I could just pop the tooth in and out. And uh, <laughs> I was coming down. Uh, on the, we were on the power play, and I was coming down, and one of the Islanders, I can't remember the player who it was, he, he, he just got me, literally his stick hit me right in that tooth. And the ref saw it because I flinched, and he, he, goes, he goes, like, two minutes, you're not bleeding. Well, the tooth was somewhere on the ice. I knew it was out there somewhere. So I'm like, wait, 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 wait. I have a tooth out here. He knocked my tooth out. He's like, come on, you're not even bleeding. So I, had, I found the tooth because the, the, the point that went in the implant was bright blue. So I picked it up by the blue point so he couldn't see that it was implant. I'm like, see, look, he knocked out my tooth. We got four minutes for it. Yeah, yeah. Worth did you score it. Out of it, it was worth it. God, I don't think so. <laughs> did you this score? I don't think so. But I remember that there's still a highlight of me searching for the tooth. My kids like watching that one. We were playing because we were playing the Islanders, playing the old Islander squad too. So yeah. yeah, that was the last time it got knocked. Well, up until the ice cream sandwich about a year and a half ago. <laughs> Good uh, question. PMB. Yep. Pierre Mark Bouchard. <laughs> what's up? Absolutely. Well, with the comparison to Pierre Mark Bouchard, I figured. Uh, take credit for the fact that you must think I've got one heck of a spinorama. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, you do. You got so, some hands. I've got that going for me. Youth hockey was a real fun time for me. <laughs> <laughs> but I felt compelled. I had to come up here and ask a question. And I was curious, I, because I had to ask a question, what was your favorite rink to play in? Oh, um, I always, and I... I, as the Islander, there's a there's a big part of me that's an Islander, and there is nothing like playing at Madison Square Garden and beating the Rangers. My favorite arena. There's just nothing like man, like just walking into the. I'm I'm kind of getting chills just thinking about like the first thing, and it's a walk. Yeah, you gotta it's walk straight walk. uphill. Like it's straight uphill up a ramp, and it feels like you're 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 going about so twenty Madison stories Square Garden up. Is, is five floors above the you know the street, and when the bus the bus can't go yeah. around the 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 uh, curves there, so yeah. they drop you off at the bottom. These players, coaches, everybody's got to go. It's always yeah. Well, it's always a joke. I always get a good warm up when you're playing at MSG. Yeah, you get yeah. that walk, but yeah, I would say Madison Square Garden. But like, man, you, you get to play in Toronto, Montreal, uh, any of those places, and obviously playing here in Minnesota. Like when I, you get to wear your hometown. When you pull your hometown jersey, you get that crest. There's 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 a pride that I honestly can't put into words. Um, and stepping out for that ice for the first time, man, I, I've, I, I would say that would probably be the one time in my life I truly felt 10 feet tall and bulletproof. Yeah. Like, yeah. there's that amount of pride. Yeah, it's, uh, Madison Square Garden is a place. Madison Square Garden. Yeah. That's, that's the one I, that I would say my favorite. Yeah. My favorite was Nassau Coliseum. Then yeah. after Nassau left, it was Madison Square Garden. <laughs> I loved covering games from Madison Square Garden. I still remember in 2000, in Nassau, like I still remember in 2000 when the, or excuse me, when 90, when did the Panthers trade for Pavel Burry? It was in 2000, right? 2000, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he scores 54 goals. His first game after the after he the trade, it was a monster, like 10 player trade, including draft picks. Yep. And uh, first game he played for the Panthers was at Nass, uh, Nassau Coliseum. Roberts Vela hits him for a home run pass for a breakaway. <laughs> And he scores this breakaway goal. And I remember almost honestly leaping out of the press. I could not, like, you just did not see breakaway goals from any no. Panther player. No. And, uh, you know, so in my entire time, yeah, he was oh. an incredible player to cover. So much. Yeah. You get, you would get lost. Like, there, he was one of those guys, he was on your team, and you'd just get lost watching yep. him. His feet and his hands. There was, yep. Everything was moving. And how we created so much space and how we got so many breakaways. And yep. he just, and he scored. He could, he could beat any goalie five hole. Yeah. Any goalie five hole on a breakaway. He was unbelievable. Yeah, unreal. 
You know, I was thinking too, your 98 season that you're a rookie year, you picked the wrong, do you have another question by the way? Okay. All right, cool. Um, so 98 season, you picked the wrong year to be a rookie. Like he yeah. led the league at rookies and goals. Like you had 24, right? Your first yep. year in the, and uh, who, do you remember the other rookies in the league your year? Uh, Drury. Drury won the Calder. Hey Duke. Hey Duke was probably second or third. Le Cavalier, but he, I don't even think he was in there. Yeah, I don't think he was. Uh, Drury. Chris so Drury, Drury, Drury won Drury it. was the other one. Drury. So Milan Hayduk, hey Marion Hosa. Marion Hosa. Brandon Morrison. Yeah. Muckalt was like yeah, a Mux, neck and neck with you Muck all year. Was, yeah, yep. me and Mux were running. Yeah, we had, we had a laugh. Yeah, we had, had a, a couple, year. couple years later being on the Islanders together. Yeah. Him from Van and me from Florida. Wow. <laughs> you wanted to fight me a couple years ago. Yeah. You still want to? Um, wanted to ask you, so I just did this hilarious Marc-Andre Fleury story that uh, that is running October 11th. Um, we're, I, I've, I've alluded to this a couple times, but we're, we're kicking off a huge, huge project at The Athletic um, starting October 11th. It's going to run months, and Marc-Andre Fleury is the guy that's kicking it off, and uh, I had the honor of doing that story and the honor of kicking off our project. And so this is the story, I don't know if Wild fans remember, but when I went to Marc-Andre's house in July up in Montreal, and part of the story is his... You know, he, he's just an affinity for practical jokes. I mean, some of them are just hysterical. I won't break, I won't like, obviously all Wild fans probably had, this saw the little trick that he played on uh, Crosby in Vegas the other day. <laughs> um, but there's so many of these type of stories in there of stuff he's done to players, stuff he's already done in the Wild Rock room. What is the, like you, you, you know, you've witnessed practical jokes. What were like some of the, any that pop in your mind as the most epic that you've ever uh, experienced oh. or been the victim of or in the you know, in initiator of? Maybe. Um, <laughs> my favorite one, uh, the worst one that I actually, I'll start with the worst one that happened to me. I didn't know when you got traded that the next time you went back to that locker room, the guys were going to mess with your gear. <laughs> and when I mean mess with your gear, they're going to take your game gloves and fill them with whipped cream, or whipped cream, excuse me, shaving cream. Yeah. So you go in there for a game, and you think you're getting prepared, and you look at your gloves, you're like, what in the Sam hell is that in my gloves? And you can't get it out. You are screwed that whole game. Your gloves and hands are sticking, and your old teammates are laughing their butt off at you while you're trying to figure it out. So you learn quickly in the league that you need two pairs of gloves. That's what I learned. <laughs> Always have two pairs of gloves. But then I was like, all right, all right, I can get into this. So like we're cutting laces. I remember when the Panthers first came to Florida, I cut all the laces. But that's when I just started getting into it. But uh, – the Islanders, we had a we had a good group of team when we that 2002 year was a we had a really good year. We had a lot of young guys: Ricky DiPietro, we had Steve Webb, uh, Sean Bates, all these guys, Pekka Yash, and we, and we had a lot of fun together. We really did. And my favorite move, and uh, I believe it got t ripped off uh, 20 some years later by the Wild. Me and Steve Webb got packing peanuts. Yeah, it did get ripped off and filled Garth Snow's Beamer with packing peanuts. I mean, we opened up his sunroof. We were both injured at the time. I think we were both out with MCLs. So he was on the ice in practice, and we got out, and we, I mean, we went to Kinko's and, you know, those big bags. We bought, like, 10 of them. We had plenty left over, and we filled that thing right to the top with packing peanuts. And we just sat there in the parking lot and waited for him to come out and just, we did actually didn't think about the mess after. We kind of felt yeah, bad. I know. <laughs> we, oh. didn't, we didn't think about that afterwards because there was packing peanuts everywhere when the wind were like, after, and so we were like, okay, let's leave now because somebody's got to clean that up and be mad at us. One, one of the great ones in... That uh, was my favorite well, one we did. Yeah, I well, did. One of, one of the great ones in Wild history was... Not, I'm not even talking about the Dumbo one last year with Duham. I think it was Dumbo with Duham. Somebody would do him. Um, but, but the year Derek Bugard and Cal Clutterbuck did it to Eric Belanger. And the one thing that... 
that the one thing that I've been told that Mark Andre does that he denies is is um, you know he he sniffs out the players that have big time problems with practical jokes like the James Neals of the world I was told and yep. some of those guys in in Pittsburgh and this he's doing stuff all the time. So 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 Bugard and and uh, Clutterbuck did packing peanuts to Eric Belanger's car, and this was in front of all of us. And but in there, because they knew the mess it would make, they put a like a gift certificate to a detail place to have it essentially vacuumed out. And Eric was so pissed, he ripped up the gift certificate. So, <laughs> so um, Bella, yeah, yeah, I can see Bella again. He was definitely yeah, he he, did, he didn't like that stuff. One one practical joke that I will tell you that's a real little little one um, that uh, that I will tell you that that um, you brought up was the shaving cream one. So they're in Montreal this year at the Bell Center and Marc-Andre Fleury takes shaving cream and he puts it in a towel and Goligoski takes the towel, wipes it on his face, gets shaving cream all over. Matt Boldy apparently, according to Fleury, was laughing hysterically at Goligoski for having shaving cream. He grabs a towel, does the same thing, shaving cream all over him. <laughs> he never thought <laughs> yep. that Fleury would have done it to multiple towels. Yep. Yep. And so, uh, so Fleury told me that one. Oh, you just reminded me, I too actually just thought of one quick one from this. The St. Cloud will love this. This Matt Cullen, Taj Melson battle quick. Uh, so Taj is the senior, we're, we're, the, we're the freshman, and Cully's the big, so he's just getting picked on by the, young guy, or the older guys all the time. So Taj takes his gloves, and he throws them in the freezer. So the next day, Cully comes to the rink, and he pulls his gloves off for practice. They're just completely frozen, right? So this is pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, Cully waits for Melson to leave, and he literally took all of Taj's equipment and built it up, just taped everything together, his skates, his shin pads, his gloves, helmet, everything, like he was sitting in his stall like this. Everything, like completely taped up, so like all sweaty and just gross the next day when he came in, he had to untape all of his hockey gear that was just taped there like a person. It was genius. That, that, was, that was genius. And then the other one, Kirky Muller, my, yeah. rook, my rookie year, uh, the first trip we go on, Nashville, we're going to Nashville. Uh, Joe, yeah, you uh, opened that building there. Jovo, Jovo, Eddie's running on the plane. What the hell? What happened to my right shoe? Like, what the fuck? I think he's pissed. He had to go buy a new pair of shoes. He couldn't figure it out. Well, every trip, all of a sudden, like, these right shoes are missing. Like, a couple guys would be like, son of a bitch. Like, we had to run to the store quick and buy a, sorry for swearing. No, uh, no. And, and, and so, like, at the end of the year, like, nobody knows what's going on. The whole team no one has a clue there is a shoe bandit somewhere. Yeah. Luckily, he was, he was nice to me. He didn't hit me. I think he was nice because he was a rookie or whatever. But finally, at, at the end of the year, for the end of the year meeting, season's over, we just lose out. We come in, and there is a plastic bag with everyone's shoes sitting in the middle of the room. And no one knew. No one had a clue. And finally, Kirky Muller finally admitted that he was a shoe bandit all year. <laughs> I mean, that one was genius. That was commitment. It was a whole year thing he got everybody almost on the team at some point and then he just brings back all he kept the shoes too yeah brings it back and just puts them in. it was just genius i love that one. The, you've heard the todd simpson mike cylinder story when mike when todd simpson got mike cylinder back so mike so todd simpson were at the igloo and todd cuts out the uh, mike cylinder <laughs> takes his dress shirt and cuts out the nipple hole so he'll leave the, the arena with like you know basically yes. like you know his yep. nipples exposed so on that same trip uh todd simpson stole Mike Cylinder's uh, choppers. Oh. Yeah. And so the geez. entire trip, like they're going through, like they're leaving Ottawa and he's at the x-ray machine at baggage claim, like looking and seeing if he could see his choppers, anybody thinks. Anyway, they get, so later in the road trip, it was a long road trip. 
there somewhere, and all of a sudden, Mike Sillinger gets a call from his wife wanting to know why his choppers were sitting in a, in a box in Florida, mailed Jeez. to his house. Todd Simpson stole his teeth and simmer. mailed it to Florida. I get that simmer. Yeah. He's, he's a yeah. ruthless one. I remember yeah. him, yeah. Big old um, puff D-man. So you brought up two right shoes, just real quick. So yep. my friend Kyle texted me today and said that he was playing a high school game once. I think this is how he said it, at Parade Ice, at, uh, at Bloomington Gardens. Okay, Gardens. yeah. Bloomington and he saw big. a team photo of you or a picture of you in your Bloomington Jefferson. And he says he could have sworn that you were wearing two left <laughs> gloves. Do you know, is this a true story? Yeah, you know, you think you're funny and creative in high school, okay. right? I mean... We so thought that you, was hysterical. The front row, like we all put on left gloves or all right gloves. That was okay. absolutely so he's intentional. Not wrong. Yeah. No, he's, he's a, right, not wrong yeah, at all. That's and, hilarious. And as a matter of fact, I was I was uh, for the three years there, I was Mark Parrish, Mark Parrish, and my senior year as a captain, I was Mike Parrish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of respect yeah. in Bloomington. No, um, I love it. I love Vegas. Last story of the show, and then we will end the podcast. Uh, I, I it's always a, a goodie. But uh, tell, <laughs> you, your rookie year. We get to Ottawa. <sighs> you didn't play the next game in Montreal. So I was at the heart of this story, too. Uh, let's just tell the story. I right. know we, a lot of people that listen to this podcast have probably heard it before. So the worst part about this story, I was the young rookie, and, and uh, yeah, we're in Ottawa. And back then, like, there was, like, scheduled time on you could go out. Like, it was known you're going out drinking with the guys after the, after the game. It was, it was almost scheduled in. I mean, it was just the way it went. That's the way the game was played. So we played. I couldn't tell you what happened in Ottawa. I don't know if you remember it, but I don't, I don't know what happened in the game. I remember being at this Bulldog bar afterwards. Well, I know exactly. Remember, that was the game that Brett Hedekin and Al- Daniel oh, yeah, Robertson yeah, yeah, got yeah, into the altercation. Right. And wasn't Cam Stewart, like, knocked out by yeah. Kevin Deneen? Bingo, like, yeah. that elbow, yeah, yeah knocked him out, out That's before he right. hit the ice. That was that yeah. night. Yeah. And uh, so it was a rough night, too. So uh, um, Because this is why, technically, you were late, because Brett Hedekin had to go see the so doctor. So that was this. So Hedekin's my roommate. So I go home early. I'm like, nobody believes this, and of course you shouldn't, because that's what I've gone through. But, like, I actually went home early that night. And I went to bed, and I was going to bed. And so before I left, Hedy's like, hey, I'll get... I got to use the alarm. So we didn't have phone alarms back then. Like cell phones had maybe a, a, your numbers list in, in there and that was it. But there was an alarm. So he's like, you take the, you'll get the phone call. So my God, I call the front desk. I'm like, I need a wake up call at whatever call, time. He'll take the alarm. I remember him getting the early alarm because yeah, his jaw, he messed yeah. up his jaw. So he had to go to the doctors and get everything taken care of early. I remember him leaving. No big deal. Went back to bed, waited for the wake up call. And I get the wake up call and I literally pick it up and hang it up. I don't even listen. What else do you do with wake up? Right. So maybe I'm a little rude, but I'm tired. Yeah. And um, especially at that Weston yeah. in Ottawa, yes. it was always just like the like some like music. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't hanging up on a person. I know that. Okay. So um, so I I could just kind of do that, and the thing rings again. I'm like, what in the hello? And it's Hedekin, and I haven't looked at the clock yet. Uh, he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, what? He's like, the bus leaves in ten minutes. Where are you? What? And I look at the clock and I haven't packed anything. I, it turns out Hetty left a couple hundred bucks. We were there for a few nights, left a couple hundred bucks. We got room service like on the nightstand. The, the, the housekeeping got a great tip that night. I didn't see that. <laughs> like I, I just threw what I could into a bag and I go running down the hotel, uh, suit half on, you know, everything. And I watched the bus pull away. And back then, like, like Brian Murray was a stickler. Like, if the bus time was this time, it's leaving. Remember, he once in Ottawa, yeah. too, left his he, brother. He left his brother. So he his brother's the head coach. He's the GM. Left Tim, and Terry. On, on the way to the game, 
left, left the head left coach Terry. behind. Yeah, left yeah. Terry behind. Yeah, yeah. And it was so. Yeah, so it was that. And but might but, have been that but, same but I'm trip. thinking no big deal because Ottawa's rink is way out in Canada. Yeah, you're like a it's cab's like going to be twenty five minute half hour ride. The cab's going to be the bus. This is no big deal. I'm completely relaxed. I hop in a cab. You know, Bell Center, whatever the heck it was at that time, Corral Center. Yep. Um, and uh, I get there, bus not there. I'm like, perfect. I don't beat the bus. I go into the security and like, hey, uh, the Florida Panthers, I'm one of the players. I'm here for practice. And all the voice says back to me is, you guys don't have practice here today. I went, what? Um, can you please get a hold of someone from Ottawa? Because I didn't have, I don't, don't have a cell phone. I didn't have a cell phone back then, like yet. Yeah, I, I didn't buy my cell phone. I didn't have anybody's numbers anyway. Uh, so I, I, I get someone from Ottawa to tell me at least where my practice is or where I'm supposed to go. And I'm a half hour outside of town, uh, downtown. They finally come back and they're like, well, you're playing with the Ottawa 67. So it's literally five minutes from the yeah. hotel. Uh, I could have walked Ottawa there. Center. I could have walked there. And now I'm late. I mean, there's no doubt about this. I'm wasting an hour in the cab. I, wait, I mean, I'm, I'm way out there, so I waited another 20 minutes for the cab. I'm like, I just crapping my yeah, pants. actually no way. bringing the emotions back. because I feel horrible actually telling you. Uh, it's just awful. Just a disgusting feeling. Like, just the longest cab ride of my life. And I, the cab ride drops off, and there's Brian Murray sitting there uh, outside the bus. And I'm like, what do I do? And he just shrugs. <laughs> Yeah. I, I run into the rink, and, and everyone is on the ice except for Terry, uh, Terry Murray, their head coach. And I come down this, and, and I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry, Terry. And I try to explain, and he doesn't say a word, yeah. walks right by me and gets on the ice. And I've, I was so terrified. I didn't know what was going to happen. I thought I was going to get sent down because Peter Royal had a little issue being yeah. late, and he got sent down Well, that was the big thing. Like, I, was even, I was reading the article that I wrote about the incident there, and he went off to yeah. Yeah. Well, he went off on the situation. He basically is like, these guys have one, one job, show up to the practice on time. And, <laughs> and what, what happened that was bad, bad news for Parrish is that this was a third or fourth incident that year. It happened with Svela, it happened with Worrell, it happened with somebody else. And so you paid the pipe. I guess. Leading I, goal scorer amongst rookies in the league, and he didn't play the next game. No, and I, that was a bummer. My first game playing in Montreal, I was I so remember, bummed. Yeah, and I actually remember oh, you God, walking into, you walked by me, and you basically like, you kind of basically like how much how much trouble I am. And I'm like, well, he's fucking pissed. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, I remember that. I remember Because nobody said yeah. anything to me. Like, I, and, I asked and, Brian, yeah. he didn't say anything. No coach yeah. didn't even look yeah. at me. And the I'm like, this yeah. sucks. What's going on? I'm a rookie. I didn't know what to do. I'm looking. So, yeah, that was not the first time Mike helped guide me through yeah. my career. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, this was a fun podcast. Um, we'll do the drawing after we uh, close. Uh, we'll we'll, we'll uh, let Brandon pack up. <laughs> <laughs> I just dropped the F-bomb, and Brandon's like, oh, another five minutes to my night. <laughs> Knock that out. So, um, But follow Mark on Twitter. Mark. Mark D. Parrish. D. Parrish. What is your middle name? Daniel. Daniel Parrish. I, I know Daniel. everything about Mark Parrish no, it's except official. for that. It's official um, now. I just, had this, I just had this memory of me sitting in your old, uh, your parents' old apartment in Bloomington that yeah. first year that you yeah, played yeah, for the yeah. Wild and me doing that big Mark Parrish feature. Yep. I don't know why that popped in my head there. But um, we'll do the drawing right after. Uh, thanks to Mark for coming. Um, Perhaps maybe uh, you'll replace Anthony as the co-host. Oh, hey, you know, Panther wants to keep doing, keep going on vacations. Yeah. I could get out of the house. If I the know my wife and kids don't I, mind. Uh, uh, Brandon, if the former player uh, can't do uh, September 28th, we'll have Mark back I'm in. Um, 
So really, thanks. Uh, thanks as always to our incredible sponsors. Obviously, Grain Belt here and all the Tuttle's uh, uh, Tuttle's um, restaurants, including the main ship, the the flagship Tuttle's and Hopkins. But uh, again, September 28th, we'll be right back here at Elsie's. So definitely come on out. And then next uh, month, we're going to be actually doing some shows up in Wyoming, Minnesota, at one of the restaurants, uh, Split Rock. So that'll be fun. Thanks to our sponsors, Moe's. I love Moe's. Moe's is um, the band. Yep, Kowalski's, uh, Bosch Law Firm. Aquarius Home Services, your local authorized dealer for Connecticut Water Treatments, Royal Credit Union, and Chris Lindahl Real Estate. Thanks, everybody, for coming on out. So much coming out, there's nothing going in. I know that you feel like you're never going to win. Oh, but the world won't forgive. Were we recording, mother?